0: So, uh, literally just a few hours ago, um, I believe like three or four hours ago, I filed uh, what you'll see here, which is the uh, motion for temporary restraining order, motion for a preliminary injunction, motion for a hearing and expedited briefing schedule. So what I'm basically asking the court there to do is within the next uh, 24 hours to um, issue a a TRO, temporary restraining order, that would basically set aside uh, the Form 2 Statement of Candidacy Uh, putting his campaign effectively on hold, pending judicial review.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Nailable Around podcast. We have breaking news. Donald Trump announces his run for president in 2024 with a 58% disapproval rating, a slew of lawsuits and clear involvement in inciting insurrection, and barely suffering from impeachment last term. How is this possible? And we have this. John Anthony Castro, himself also a Republican 2024 presidential candidate, just now send us a document which contains a motion for relief that he has filed in court. The filing that we have before us right now that was sent to us by Mr. John Anthony Castro himself says the plaintiff, John Anthony Castro pursuant to five us 701-706 and fed our civic P65 moves this Honorable Court for the Entry of a Temporary Restraining Order, TRO, and joining Defendant Federal Elections Commission, the FEC, from accepting, processing, retaining, recognizing, giving consideration of, or otherwise giving effect to Donald J. Trump's FEC form. Two. Statement of candidacy. On the basis that such action by defendant FEC would constitute agency action not in accordance with law since Donald J. Trump is a constitutionally ineligible candidate pursuant to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. The document or the filing continues, stating, alternatively, if and only if the court determines that a temporary restraining order is not appropriate Despite the time-sensitive nature of the matters and threat of irreparable uh, harm, the plaintiff moves this Honourable Court for a preliminary injunction and requests a hearing with an expedited briefing schedule. And again, that is breaking news coming in, that while Donald Trump has announced his bid to run for president, John Anthony Castro, has filed a suit, in court, a temporary restraining order, asking for a temporary restraining order, enjoining defendant Federal Elections Commission, FEC, from accepting, processing, retaining, recognizing, giving consideration of, or otherwise giving effect to Donald J. Trump's FEC Form 2 statement of candidacy on the basis that such action by defendant, FEC, would constitute agency action, not in accordance with law, since Donald J. Trump is a constitutionally ineligible candidate pursuant to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And we know that some time ago that Mr. John Anthony Castro filed a a suit against the FEC and Mr. Trump saying that the FEC cannot and should not accept Donald J. Trump's candidacy on the basis that he is ineligible, and he is ineligible because of his participation in January 6th, and that is what the suit is is alleging. Welcome back to the episode now as I said we have John Anthony Castro with us who is sharing on this recent breaking news this filing on against Donald Trump and the FEC regarding Donald Trump's eligibility to run and of course um, this is this is not new news as it relates to John Castro, John Anthony Castro's uh, challenge. Of Donald Trump's candidacy and uh, suit against the FEC, we had carried uh, uh, a broadcast some time ago in July concerning this, and the interview we had with him even earlier this year. But we have John Anthony Castro, who's going to be responding to the suit and just give us an update as to what's going on with the with the suit and um, and this new filing against Donald Trump and the FEC.
0: Hey, Ronaldo, good to hear from you. Uh, Yeah, I sent you a message on Twitter. um, uh, But yeah, um, just to like comment, the the lawsuit is still going on right now. um, So I'll just kind of give you uh, just a little... Actually, let me send you a quick link um, where you can actually see the history of the case. And then I'll do... Okay, so the first link uh, is from Pacer Monitor. Um, You'll be able to see all the dates um, of like all the filings in the court case chronologically and then the second link from the FEC website, this is John A. Castro versus FEC, um, that will also contain links to the filings, but it's it's not uh, very up to date. Um, I, I feel like the PACER monitor is much more in-depth. But anyways, uh, that being said, you can kind of now see the chronology of what happened, um, you know, how the lawsuit was initially filed, um, and then it was due, I believe, October 1st, but then they basically went crying to the judge and said that uh, they, they didn't receive proper notice of the case or something like that it was a bunch of BS. Long story short is the judge bought their BS and basically gave them another 30 days to respond So they had until October 31st to respond, which they did, they filed a motion to dismiss and they basically said, oh, he doesn't have standing to bring this case, which is BS. I I have Article 3 constitutional standing. They said the court doesn't have jurisdiction, even though it's a constitutional claim. And under 28 U.S.C. 1331, it's very clear the court has jurisdiction. Um, And they basically cited a bunch of BS. And so... um, the, they weren't moving to dismiss count one. Count one was basically saying that hey, Trump is already should already be considered a candidate. This was before he declared um, yesterday, and that uh, then count two was saying oh, uh, the FEC, FEC's acceptance of his form two uh, statement of candidacy would constitute unlawful agency action in violation of the Administrative Procedure Act and that the court should uh, enjoin that and basically um, set aside or, or prevent them from accepting the Form 2. So basically preventing him from creating the committee, which allows him to lawfully raise funds for the um, campaign for the presidency. So um, after that, uh, I believe two weeks later, we filed uh, a memorandum uh, points and authorities in opposition to the motion to dismiss. And then um, just the day before yesterday, on Monday, they replied with their final reply. And so then the judge would have had until December 15th to make a ruling on the motion to dismiss. If the motion to dismiss were uh, denied, that would clear the case to go to trial, which would allow me to use the court's discovery process and the full subpoena power of Federal uh, Rule So Procedure 45 to subpoena people and uh, basically start proving that Trump engaged in the insurrection. So I'd have to prove that critical fact in the court case to establish his ineligibility for public office under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Now, what happened yesterday um, was basically like an intervening act in the middle of ongoing civil litigation, which kind of threw a curveball, right? So he announced his candidacy. So what that effectively did is it mooted count one, where I was trying to have him declared a candidate, and now he's basically self-declared as a candidate. And so now the case is solely with regard to count two, whether um, him being ineligible for public office prevents the FEC from accepting the form two statement of candidacy, which forms the Um, presidential campaign committee that's allowed to raise uh, endless amounts of money uh, in pursuit of the uh, nomination for the uh, presidency of the United States. So uh, what I did then is uh, I had already, I already knew that he was going to announce on November 15th. So for the past two weeks, I had been preparing a very, very thorough uh, memorandum of law and uh, – well, I'm sorry, a motion for a temporary restraining order and a preliminary injunction and the whole memorandum in support. So uh, I will send that right now and then
1: Here is some background. On January 30, 2022, John Anthony Castro formally registered with the FEC, a 2024 candidate for the Republican nomination for the presidency of the United States. And on July 25, 2022, John Castro filed a complaint for declaratory and injunctive relief pursuant to the judicial review provision of the federal election campaign. the Federal Election Campaign Act and the judicial review provision of of the administrative procedure. Now, count one is based upon an administrative complaint that plaintiff filed with defendant on March 25th or 23rd, my apologies, 2022. Plaintiff's administrative complaint sought to complain to compel defendant to declare Donald J. Trump a candidate Within the meaning of FECA. Now, the defendant failed to act on the administrative complaint within 120 days. The federal law, pursuant to 52 USC 30109, grants the right of judicial review if the FEC fails to act on an administrative complaint within 120 days. As such, jurisdiction for count one stems from form stems from 52 us 30109 due to the fec's failure to act within 120 days regarding donald j trump's activities mandating his statutory clarification as a candidate given the invalidity of the fecs testing the waters regulations under the u.s supreme Court's home concrete standard now count two effectively states that because plaintiff has alleged in his complaint that Donald J. Trump engaged in provided aid to or provided comfort to the insurrections that violently attacked our United States Capitol on January 6, 2021, if defendant were to accept, the defendant being FEC, were to accept Donald J. Trump's FEC Form 2 statement of candidacy, That would constitute agency action, agency action, not in accordance with law pursuant to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. In other words, because factual allegations in a complaint must be accepted as true and plaintiff's complaint specifically alleges that Trump engaged in aided or comforted insurrections, it must be accepted as true that Donald Trump does not satisfy Section 3 of the the 14th Amendment and is therefore ineligible to pursue public office. If defendant were to accept Donald J. Trump's FEC Form 2 Statement of Candidacy, that would constitute final agency agency action under 5 U.S.C. 704 that is not in accordance with law on the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment which specifically prohibits as such the jurisdiction for count 2 which stems from 28 U.S.C. 1331. Now, On September 29, 2022, Shayna J. Ward, Jacob Steven Siler, and Kevin Daly electronically filed notices of appearance. And on October 31, 2022, the defendant filed a partial motion to dismiss solely with regard to Count to 2 with the pursuant to Fed R Civic P and Fed R Civic P 12 for purported lack of subject matter jurisdiction and failure to state a claim upon which relief can be granted respectively. According to defendant FEC, despite the fact that Count 2 arises under Section 3 of the 14 Amendment of the US Constitution, the clear language providing the court with jurisdiction, the unambiguous language that a court can enjoin agency action that is or would be not in accordance with the law, under the clear language of Clause 2 of Article 4 or 6 of the U.S. Constitution, that states this Constitution shall be the supreme law of the land. Defendant FEC still choose to absurdly assert that this honorable court lacks subject matter jurisdiction. That is the a brief excerpt of the filing that we have obtained from John Anthony Castro. Again, breaking news coming in is that Donald J. Trump, although he has announced his candidacy for president, today we are hearing that that John Anthony Castro has filed a motion in court for temporary restraining order and that within the next 24 hours, it be issued. Ultimately setting aside Donald J. Trump's candidacy. Now, we we we, we will know by tomorrow whether or not the court has granted this temporary relief. And we are going to be watching the results of this closely. Welcome back to the episode. Now, John, how confident are you that the, the, the judge is going to grant you this TR? Um
0: Now, if the judge signed this, um, I can tell you right now it's going to be all over the news um by tomorrow like right it's going to create like a political um if the judge denies it he will likely grant the motion for the hearing on the preliminary injunction and set the expedited briefing schedule um i don't really see well we'll see um we'll see what the judge does uh, if the judge does that route, which is a little bit more conservative route, and considering this judge, even though he was appointed by Obama, uh, Judge Rudolph Contreras, he is an institutionalist. Um, he was actually the head of the Foreign Intelligence Services Act Court, called the FISA Court, um, basically the spy court. That's where people go to get, like, wiretaps and um, for foreign surveillance and stuff like that. So he's an institutionalist. I don't know if he'd be willing to go a bit renegade on this and and do a TRO that he know would be all over CNN, NBC, CBS, uh, ABC, you know, uh, everywhere, Fox News, um, because it would would be monumental. I think he'd want to take the more conservative route of, you know what, let me deny the TRO, but grant the motion for the hearing with the expedited briefing schedule, and then what would happen is uh, within uh, 14 days, both the Federal Election Commission and Donald Trump and us, we would all have to then prepare our legal briefs and submit them to the court. And then at that point in time, uh, twenty-one within 21 days, they would schedule oral arguments. So I'd have to fly to D.C. and basically make my case. Trump's attorneys would be there. Trump would definitely not be there personally, uh, but his attorney would. The Federal Election Commission's attorney would be there as well. And then uh, the judge would usually make a ruling within uh, 48 to 72 hours. So... Uh, Basically, this case is now on, uh, uh, basically, on steroids, right? Like, it's going to be moving fast, like very, very fast. So there could be a a decision literally before the end of the month on this. Um, If the judge granted the preliminary injunction, what that basically means is that Trump's campaign is on hold until this case is completed, which would give the court an opportunity to basically say this is the case that will decide whether or not, Trump engaged in, participated in, provided aid to, or provided comfort to the insurrection that occurred on January 6th. And I would be given the full power of the court to subpoena any and all persons and documents necessary to prove that. So, exactly pretty much what the January 6th committee um, has done, I would replicate. Um, What I would likely do is uh, get the commission's reports and findings uh, so far as of today and incorporate them into the record, right? So we don't have to like, you know, reinvent the wheel. Um, But that also means that I could issue a subpoena to take the deposition of Donald Trump. So he can certainly, he can't claim immunity. I mean, he already sued the January 6th committee, right? And He's trying to say like, hey, they can't uh, subpoena me because it's outside of their legislative purpose. There's no legislative purpose behind the, uh, the whole January 6th insurrection. Um, and to be honest, it's somewhat of a good argument that they actually don't have grounds to enforce that. But in my civil case, there's no freaking way he can get around it. He's the central figure. He has to testify. So, And especially if the judge grants the uh, preliminary injunction, He's going to want to testify because that's the only way to get the injunction lifted. Um, Now, that would obviously be best case scenario. Um, Trump, if the preliminary injunction is granted, he would likely immediately take it to the D.C. Court of Appeals. I think the D.C. Court of Appeals would not want to touch this um, because it's just... it's a really sensitive issue, and there's really no legal grounds for them to overturn it. So the, the law is really just stacked against them on this. Um, they could decide to pass, but he's definitely going to appeal it to the Supreme Court. And now we're already talking like we're already in late February. And so he would appeal it to the, to the Supreme Court we would immediately file a motion to recuse uh clarence thomas um on the basis that he uh his wife was implicated in the january 6th insurrection and therefore he should be disqualified Uh, we're going to push really hard on that one um with that they lose their supermajority, right so now instead of it being 6-3 it's 5-3 and we know how three of them are going to vote it's the other five and we think we can flip two of them and we think it's going to be gorsuch and roberts we think Gorsuch and Roberts are actually going to side with uh, Sotomayor and um, Kagan and um, um, uh, I forgot the other one, Breyer. I can't remember. Point is, is that they're going to I think switch sides and actually side with us on upholding the injunction and at least saying, look, it's just temporary. Um, But we do need to get to the bottom of this factual question was january 6 an insurrection that's fact question number one fact question number two is assuming january 6 was an insurrection did trump engage and uh provide aid to or provide comfort to the insurrectionists and so it's a question of fact so it's going to be very interesting case um you know we'll kind of see how everything develops uh i think ultimately the preliminary injunction will would hold. I think worst case scenario is the judge grants the government's motion uh, or uh, denies all my motions for uh, preliminary injunctive relief, uh, denies the TRO, denies the preliminary injunction, denies the request for the hearing, um, and then grants the government's motion to dismiss. That would be worst case scenario. I don't see how that can happen. And even if it did, we'd file a notice of appeal and we'd take it to the US uh, Court of Appeals for the DC Circuit and uh, and seek to have it overturned. I'm confident they would overturn that, uh, the dismissal, because there is clearly um, constitutional standing and jurisdiction for the court to hear the case. So that would put us back to square one of then requesting for injunctive relief. But the, the key here is I, I, the injunctive relief would obviously be awesome, right? Because that would be all over the news like big time non-stop um but all we really need is to clear the dismissal phase if we clear the dismissal phase i get the full power of the federal judiciary to go on a fact-finding mission to prove his connection to january 6 and unlike at that point literally i become more powerful than the house select committee investigating the january 6 attack because their jurisdiction to and power to subpoena trump for this is questionable mine is not he would be the direct defendant in the case and so um, yeah it, w- it would be huge so that's pretty much the case in a in a nutshell
1: thank you for listening to the neoliberal podcast We'll continue to follow the breaking news story concerning John Anthony Castro's uh, suit or motion requesting the court to grant a TRO against Donald J. Trump, which will in effect throw Donald J- Trump's candidacy into a tailspin or, uh, or leaves a, a, a cloud of darkness and doubt over his candidacy. We'll continue to follow the story and we will report it to you as it happens. And we will have John Anthony Castro on the show as well. But this is this is quite revealing and it is quite telling. But this is important. A very this is important because John Castro has always been saying that this is something that he will be doing. That he has taken this candidacy when challenging Donald Trump because you have to deal with the negative, even if it means doing it the unpopular thing. To move oneself, one country, one party to the next level. This is the Nailable podcast brought to you by the Liberal Corporation. You can visit us at thenailable.com, spelled T H E N E O L I B E R A L dot com, and support us by going to anchor.fm slash thenailable slash search. A liberal corporation is serving the world today to solve tomorrow's challenges through our communication, which is to make popular what was the up. I'm Ronaldo McKenzie with John T. Nelson. Walker.